Hello and welcome to the Reinforced Running Podcast. My name is Rich Ryan. I will be your host. On the Reinforced Running Podcast, we talk about running, we talk about OCR, and this episode we are talking about High Rocks and DecaFit. We have a very special guest, David Magida. Magida has quickly rose to one of the top competitors in this avenue of what we're calling hybrid races. We, we just, I, I, first time I heard it called that, but it, these races needed a name hybrid races it is. So we have an awesome conversation. We talk in depth about strength training for it, some different ways to kind of simulate the race, different strategies to kind of like like what to look for and and how to really approach it from a mentality standpoint. Have a great chance to talk about where we see the future of this sport going, not just for these hybrid races, but also obstacle racing in general. And I get to kind of do a bit of a deep dive on uh, David's mindset. He has a really cool approach when it comes to going all in on something and just kind of decides that he wants to to do things and he does it, which is really admirable. So I pick at that a little bit, try to try to get some nuggets out of that, which I think we get some good ones. So really awesome conversation. David is a deep thinker, has really formulated, really solid formulated opinions on a lot of subjects. So it's a great conversation. I really, really enjoyed it. And a reminder to check out the Reinforced Running Strength Training for OCR program. Right now, you can get a seven-day free trial, so you can get in there, decide if you like it or not. Choice is completely up to yours. Cancel any time. And look, this program, it's fun, and it straight up works. If you want to get stronger for obstacle course racing, you want to get more fit, that's the name of the game at the end of the day. So give us a try, completely free for seven days. Link in the description below. All right, cool. Well, here he is, David Magida. Are you always thinking about OCR and about like the process behind it? Because like your opinions are well thought out. They're not like just, just like not off the cuff. It seems like everything that you have that you deliver has been kind of like under pressure for a while. And like, you've kind of thought about it. I, well, you want, I've been in this sport for like a decade. Um, so, That's true. Yeah. Um, and two, uh, I've thought about a lot of it, man. I wrote a book on this stuff. That's that true. Was, you know, so the essentials of obstacle race training. Buy it, folks. Uh, Amazon. Lincoln. Lincoln uh, show notes. <laughs> Lincoln show notes. I wrote that book. Believe it or not, I started writing that book in 2014. So, uh, really? it's amazing how long it's been. It's crazy. Um, in, in addition, man, I, I'm just like a very like analytical thinker. Like I, I go inward sometimes and like my girlfriend will be like, David, she'll be like talking to me and I like don't even realize because I'm, I go like down these rabbit holes in my brain and then she'll be like, you never listen to me. And I was like, I'm, I'm sorry, like, I heard every word, but like sometimes I don't get out of the thought I'm in and respond for like two or three minutes after someone says something. And I like, it's, a, it's crazy. It's in a queue. You gotta, gotta work your way through it and then just like- queue. I listened to every word you said, but I couldn't get to it. I had to like di- sift through what I was on in my brain. And I want to give it the amount of time it deserves. And I want to really think on it so that you get the response that you deserve of, of from that from that uh, comment. But but that's one thing. That, that's so funny that you said 2014 is when you started writing that book. The first time I think I ever really came across you was Citizens Bank Park 2013. That was actually my first first ever Spartan race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I get second place there, I think? Something. I don't I I all I know is that I saw it was I think it was Bracken um, ahead of me, I think. No, no, Bracken actually wasn't there that year. No. It was Ooh. uh cuz I, I went back and looked at it cuz I couldn't remember the, my first race cuz I ran one in 2013 and I thought it was like not that long ago, but then I didn't run another one until 2016. Wow. And so it was um 
Oh, Cassidy's husband, uh, Alexander Nicholas. Nicholas won. No, he he didn't he didn't beat me there. I must have run it the following year, 2014. Um, one because I know because I was wearing an Elevate shirt, um, and two, Bracken beat me. It was either 2014 or 2015 that I ran Citizens Bank because I podiumed there twice. Both times I went and hung out with my buddy who lives in Philly, one of my childhood best friends. But the one year that you're referring to, there was a beer fest across the street at the oh, little Com- Comcast at Xfinity. Center. Yeah. Setup. Xfinity, yep. yeah. And uh, so I went straight from that to beer fest and uh, was was uh, was having a good time. Uh, but <laughs> no, but Bracken beat me there. And I think that's who beat me there both times. But I, I can't recall. I'll have to double check. I've only lost to Alex on a stadium course in my first ever, it was Citibank or sorry, C- uh, City Field. And um, I made the, mis- well, I failed two obstacles right at the end. I was running like with Hunter at the time. And uh, they introduced a peg wall instead of a traverse wall. First time ever, last time ever, these. And I got to wow. the last spot and was reaching and my other one slipped out and I failed it, did 30 burpees, got up. Walked 10 feet, threw a spear, missed that too, and, <laughs> and finished fifth overall um, with 60 burpees. Still hanging on. The pegboard, that's an interesting wrinkle. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw something like that again, but, but anyway, I think I it's, s- like, it's like um, Savage Race's uh, Anchors Away is like a better one because like they don't slip out. Like you just got to get it to the spot. Yeah. Like, and if you're going to return something, like it might as well be like that, that would be. There'd be a lot of factors with a horizontal pegboard. I wouldn't love it. I don't think that's a great obstacle. Like I think you're right. Like a Gibbons or an Anchors Away is probably a better a better bet. Yeah. yeah um, whatever race it was that I saw you, because I remember seeing you and like you were kind of dictating. The only reason I remember because I, I you were dictating who was going to be in the first heat <laughs> essentially, and I was oh, there. Good old days, man. I used to like literally people would be like Megita, Megita, like have them have them have me in the race, and then I'd be like. Uh, all right, yo, so, uh, Elliot, Elliot's in, uh, I'd be like, Robert, I'd be talking to Koval. I'd be like, this okay, is, make sure he gets in. Like, this is exactly what happened. And I yeah. was so mad. I was like, who the fuck is this guy? Why does he get to like do all this? All this? Cause I was there. It was my first race. I thought I was going to win. Obviously yeah. I was like, it was my first race. It was in my hometown, whatever. And I was like, I'm going to, and then I didn't realize there was going to be these multiple heats. So I was all sour about it. Um, but, and then I saw like the only reason I remember it being you, cause I didn't know who anybody was. Like, I didn't realize anybody was going to know anybody at the point at that point. I was like, how do all these people know each other? How does that dude know who's any good in this field of people? Yeah. Before I realized that people actually were, like, doing it this. Cir- it was a circuit. It was a circuit. I had no idea. I thought it was, like, the like a local 5K, right? Like, people, yeah. like, just whoever's in the general area shows up, and that, that's who's going to be there. So that's another reason why I thought I was going to win. I was like, well... No one knows what this is. Everyone's going to be doing this for the first time. <laughs> you and know? all of a sudden, we took off, and, and it's like, these guys know what they're doing. Well, I wasn't even with you guys. I was, yeah. I was very annoyed. And, uh, but then I, there, you were – I was, I was like, doing CrossFit quite a bit at the time, and there was like these magazines that were coming out. One of them was some sort of obstacle magazine or mud run magazine. I don't even remember. There were was, was a few that came and went. And I was reading through it, and you, you, there was a, a picture of you in it. I was like, that's that fucking guy. I was like, that's that dude. And I just remember you from that moment. Like, This, this had to have been like 2013, 20, probably 2014. I'm going to say 2014. I think it's 13 because I, I recently looked back because I wanted to see if Bracken was in that race because, again, I didn't know who was in it. And I couldn't – I went – I thought it was like, okay, it's probably 2015. It wasn't 14. Then I went way back and missed it, and I you finally – 
settled on 13. I think it was 2013. You know if it was 13, I did run that race one other time. I have run that race three times. And I was just thinking, I, I was about to Google it, and then I realized I went up, I led that entire race. Matt Murphy from Australia was in that race, and uh, I missed the spear. Uh, oh, really? I missed the spear. It's, and I went from first to seventh, and that was the lowest I've ever finished in a stadium race. I was ninth. Almost got you. Out of the second heat, because you didn't let me in the first heat. Sorry, bro. Oh, but Matt right. Murphy uh, and I had a bet, had a beer bet in that race, and I was, uh, I was a 200 meters up on the field and missed the spear. That was unbelievable. At 30 burpees back then, like... 30, 30 in a stadium race crazy Craziness. i mean the same Craziness. thing happened to me i and it's like it's like the spear is i only seem to have missed the spear when in the lead uh that's how it goes you know uh i missed it in the ocean city sprint a, like a year recently and a half, two, two years yeah. ago and i was way out in the front and it was they made they changed it from 15 burpees to 30 burpees at the start line and <laughs> i did the 30 and it was like what uh they did 30 i did 30 burpees in the sand right after doing uh 15 or 20 Ram burpees right before that. And uh, yeah. I just could not pull myself together to get back in it. Yeah. Cause my buddy, uh, Mark Falcone actually won that race. He's a, he's a local guy here and he took you down. He's living off. He's living off the residuals of that race still. He took, he's uh, got that win over you. He's, he's got he it does, his name. Man. He ran, he, he came by when I was doing burpees and then he sprinted his little butt off. Um, and so, yeah, well, I knew I it. Gave it and, there was only yeah. a mile left in the race. I was like, I was like, there's no way I can, I can, you know, make that up. I tried. Yeah, and he's Pretty tough. Rough. So he saw, he saw his opportunity. He went after it. But um, so that was one thing when, uh, like looking back at that, like from the moment, like you came into my world, there was like this, like confidence to me at the time. I was like. There's definitely like arrogance there because of just like how I how I looked at it. I was like, sure. and I was like, I was just hating. I wanted to be in that that heat. I didn't know who you were, but there, but there's also I, if I'd known, I would have put you in there though. I appreciate that because I did 60 burpees that day. I missed a spear, and the the wall at the end was it wasn't a Z wall at the time, right? It was a it was reverse just, wall, straight line. It was just straight yeah. line. I just got on it for like one second and slipped off. I looked at the volunteer. I was like, what do I? He's like, you got to do burpees. I was like, oh my god, better um, better than going across the whole thing and then falling. Totally, totally. But I didn't even give myself a chance. I've never even seen anything like that. But there's 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 this thing that you have about yourself where it's like, it's certainly confidence. And when you put your mind to something, like you just like decide that it's going to happen, right? And it could be you know going after being a professional. Uh, you know, OCR athlete at the time and then like opening a gym. And now it's, you've kind of turned into this new endeavor, which is more of like the high rocks and uh deca fit stuff. And you've really kind of put a ton of a time and effort to, to just dis- like you've decided this is what's going to happen. And like, you're really figuring out how to do it as it, as it goes on. So like, why did you decide to, to move into these type of events? Man, uh, you know, honestly, it's not that I don't love obstacle racing. I just think, one, the sport has moved in a direction that is highlighting a skill set slightly different than mine, while hybrid racing has emerged as like this perfect fit where like all of a sudden guys that I just can't quite run with, um, hybrid racing kind of levels the playing field. In fact, I think it tilts it in my favor in a race like let's call it a high rocks over, you know, a deck of fit 
doesn't quite tip the scales as much as I needed to. Not enough, not enough weight. Right. But I'm, I'm I'm a big boy. I'm 193 pounds of uh, you know, just mass. And I can move pretty fast, you know, like I can still run like a, you know, 1540, 5K or so. But, but um, you know, if a guy runs a 15 flat and, and he's not terribly weak, he's probably going to beat you in DECA. Uh, it, it, that, it's less of a factor when we talk about high rocks. Like all of a sudden I found this sport where it's like, oh, it's, it's physical. It's about speed, but more like running at just, just around above thresholds right you don't even have to go into thresholds you're like above it mm-hmm. and then or right at it you know and then you're uh the strength well you better be strong and then and then it becomes so much about just like your ability to hurt and your ability and just like your mental game because it, it's just like it really just becomes such a mental race compared to like these obstacle races where i think very quickly they get spread out and you see who the faster guys are and it kind of just pecking order starts to, to get determined at least into groupings very early in those races. And when I first came into OCR, I kind of thought the stimulus that I was going to receive in these races was going to be what DECA and what I imagine high rocks is like, it's like a little bit of strength, but a lot of speed and, and blending in and out. But I quickly realized this is like OCR is like a mountain and trail race. You know, yeah. and, and grip strength, right? There's like, if you have like those couple elements there, you know, coming into like the grip strength is relatively low, but coming from nothing, coming from a runner, like you do kind of have to build that up. Um, and now some of like the obstacle skill stuff, like the event uh, that we were talking about just before um, Hildervat, where like the obstacle proficiency is, is starting to now come into play. It's still not that same type of stimulus that you're talking about, where it's like that power and like just making, having like speed, there's a lot more of like a skill element there. So I I was really kind of taken back when I first started this. I was like, Oh, this is not what I thought it was going to be like at all. Well, And like a Hilderbat, like that's a specialized event too, because it's kind of like Spartan cross, which I actually am pretty good at um, from the one experience I had, but I will say, um, you know, obstacles made all the difference in Spartan cross. And I think they did in Hilderbat too. Like Mm -hmm. uh, you saw that, that, the three guys and the women with the most smooth transitions on those obstacles were just putting huge chunks of time between themselves and everyone else. And no one was really failing a lot of obstacles there. They were just, you know, if you're, you're VJ with that lean body sorcery, just like, you know, two swings to get through an obstacle, skipping like every, like skipping three out of every four grips, like, and just launching himself through those things. Um, I'm not amazing at that. I don't really fail a lot of stuff. Spears have haunted me at a few events, like the ones I mentioned, but that's really it. Uh, and, um, you know, and we're talking about, you know, four or five races over like a hundred. but, but what I found is like, I get through them, but it's more clunky. It's like, I don't, I don't spend enough time on obstacles. I just train fitness like a lot. And so for me, that's not really a great race, Hildervat. I don't think Hildervat's a great race for you. Uh, I don't think it's a great race for Mark Gaudet. And these are you guys are like really super fast, fit, strong guys. But if you're clunky in any way on an obstacle, you're just toast in that race. You need to spend a lot of time doing other stuff. And I'm like you. Like I like to be in the gym doing fitnessy stuff. I and like the access to having like doing ninja stuff or like spending a lot of time on rigs and being around it, like or like rock climbing and this and that's like I like doing that 
type of thing because it is physical and it's fun. But if it's between that and like being at the gym and, you know, working on strength or working on, you know, uh, just being proficient in terms of like movements like that, I'm going to lean that way all the time. So this is like, you know, let me give you a great comparison. This is like LeBron versus Kevin Durant, right? LeBron, he just works on his body, right? He works on his game a bit, but he works on his body all the time. Maintenance, Mm -hmm. maintenance, prolong my career, get strong, be faster, be physical, be stronger, be dominant, be durable. Kevin Durant goes in, all he does is just put up shots and just work on his skills, 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 skills. And you see like people have a preference to one or the other. They both seem to translate really well, but it's like, okay, one is going to specialize a little bit more in this. One, one guy's going to be a bit more durable. He's, his, he's going to, his game is going to play, go a certain way because of how he trains. The other one, his game's going to go a certain way because of how he trains. And so, you know, I think it's the same with us, like as racers, like if you're, you know, squatting heavy and also running like hard mileage and getting your threshold work in and, and working on your speed, like you're going to be really good at hybrid racing. Um, but if you're, but you're not automatically going to be good at obstacle racing. And like, if you're good at obstacle racing, you're not automatically going to be good at hybrid racing. Like you might be good at deca fit because there's just nothing super incredibly heavy and not right. a, a lot of places to really separate on the strength stuff, you know, aside from not being able to get your feet in and out of the bindings of the rower, like I had, uh, <laughs> but, but, um, but outside of that, you know, it's, it's mostly, uh, it's just about engine. And it, so the, the the top, you know, three, we'll just say, we'll talk about the men's side on the Hill Bat where it was like, you know, VJ, Atkins, and uh, and Kempson, right? Uh, Kempson does have some strength and conditioning in his background and, and will work with the weights, but he's a lot more about like movement specialty and like longevity and, and doing that. And that. Mobility, like, mobility with him. And, and, yeah. so, and, and very much movement based. And he, he yeah. spends time like in the lab doing things, but not necessarily like doing back squats. Um, and no. and like, Atkin, he, would, he would not do a high rocks. He actually told me, he's like, I think you're frigging crazy for doing that. Right. And uh, like, it's not, he wouldn't need, he would need to spend a lot of time away from what he's doing to get into there. And, and Atkins isn't a gym guy, like, and neither, and, and VJ spent some time there. And I think he's working on that, I believe, but I, like, I, he, I, do, I think he'll stop at Decca. I don't think Hyrox is his move. Right, um, and he'll do as much as he needs to do to get good at an obstacle course race, which is pretty low. Like, the strength needed, it's not that high. I mean, the tire flip, but, like, even the tire flip's not even about strength. It's just no. about – at Jacksonville, it was about luck. It was about, and, when, and did like I get grip. a dry tire or a wet tire? Totally. You know, can you, can you grip snot or can you not? Right. Um, <laughs> but And that's that was unfortunate there, but, you know um, – I think, you know, you'll see like Atkins could, can do anything. So like, you know, that's the one guy where you're like, wow, that guy can literally, you can't doubt him in any event. He's just always going to be there. No doubt. Like, and his like <laughs> strength that he's built up over time, just doing the things that he's been doing, like has gotten him to a point where he probably could push that sled just cause he's strong, but he's not training specifically, you know, for, for that. So at a point when we're talking about these and we're calling them hybrid races. Did you just coin this, or is this something that? Because I, we we need a, a different name for the the Decafit and Hyrox. We're calling them hybrid races. I like it. You know, I, I've been calling them hybrid races. I've been calling myself a hybrid athlete for a while. I was on the OFX podcast, and they they thought they coined the term hybrid races. I think it was just the obvious term. Um, anyway, but because yeah. you know, it's not it's not a CrossFit athlete. You're not a functional fitness athlete. You're not an endurance racer. You're 
hybrid. I mean, I like because I've been like, are these indoor fitness races? What do we call these things? So let's make. I'm in for the hybrid you, hybrid races. I think it sounds better than functional fitness racer. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. No. Anyway, so like, uh, or just like, or just like beefcake runner, beefcake runner races that be, that could be a whole different series. We can make our own series, the the beefcake race series. Um, I love it. But like Atkins could do well in those, but like he would reach a certain plateau on it because that's not where he's going to spend his time. You know, yeah. I mean, I don't know, man. Like, can Atkins go under sixty, maybe, like in, in high rocks? But I think he would need a couple cracks at it to do it. Yeah, because they just you learn a lot. Like, I learned a lot in my first one. I just, I was like, I was like, I'm so prepared. And then I got there, and I was like, oh, everything's different than I thought it would be. <laughs> Sweet. So let's talk about that because, like, we talked about a little bit before this. What where you didn't put as much of an emphasis on strength as it seems like you, you feel like you should have. And you mentioned it, you know, you're 190 some pounds, like you're, you're big and strong and like you've been strong for a while, right? Like your, your story is you got yoked in college, like playing football and stuff. You just like, <laughs> oh, I got, I got very yoked in college because I quit the cross country team and I was like, I need something. I need team camaraderie. Let me try out for the football team. And I made the football team. Um, and so then they were like, somebody, uh, somebody put some muscles on this kid. So they just, you know, force fed me three protein shakes a day and meals till I was full, till I was going to puke. And no more running went from 80 miles a week to powerlifting every day and bulked to 208 pounds of just like friggin' monster monstrosity and just putting 500 pounds on a trap bar and power shrugging and just benching 350 and just got huge i was huge and it all happened in like like literally a year and um it was like that ryan hall shift yeah. and um and so then all i did was like just i stopped running i just for years years all i did was like pay pick up flag football and basketball with my friends for cardio and then just pump iron and then uh i got back into like obstacle racing and i reversed it started training for like marathon training style and just relied on natural strength for years and years and years. And then when I opened my gym, I went to a good mix of both, like dumbbells and kettlebells, but no barbell training and uh, a lot of pull-ups and things like that. And then um, now I'm like, I'm getting under the bar again. I'm like, okay, I want to get strong again. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm, I'm, bulk, I'm adding some like weight. So what, to, because you had that background in strength, you figured, I figured too, like, okay, you're going to be strong enough to do these events no matter what. Like, the sled push is heavy, the pull is going to be heavy, but you're already big and strong. So, how has your mindset shifted? Like, and how's the training shifted since you weren't going to Dallas now, going into like the second half of the season where it's like Orlando coming up and then um, Chicago? Yeah, like, I, I kind of, in all my training simulations that I did, um, I actually ran full high rock simulations 10 times prior to Dallas. 10 full <laughs> Ten times. Uh, and everyone was like, you're an absolute psychopath. And I was like, I am, because it's the worst thing ever, every single time. Um, but um, nothing that I did prepared me for Dallas for the weight of the sled because of the friction. Um, it just hit way harder. It felt like I was loading 800 pounds on my sleds. Um, and I trained at 800 pounds a few times. It, very hard. Hmm. Um, and... Then the pull, it was the same thing. Like the thing that failed me was my biceps like blue. And part of that was I did not do any strength training for my, like really for my upper body leading up to that race. I spent a year just basically 
training for marathons and ultra marathon with Mark Gaudet. And I just was like at the leanest upper, my upper body had been in a really long time. So I have been like, since then doubled down on like doing a ton of strength training for my upper body, getting my shoulders, my chest and my biceps where they need to be. Um, and my lats where they need to be. So I, I've, I've added like visible muscle mass to my upper body since Dallas. And, um, you know, again, I think it's, it's a six month process to really get that full transformation, but, um, I feel much more confident in my upper body strength right now. Yeah. And that's kind of, I even just had that realization when preparing for like DECA. Like I knew that the high rocks is definitely where I wanted to end up, but I knew I needed to just get stronger all around. So I've, I've been doing like pretty standard, um, like strength training, kind of similar to you, like phasing things in and out, you know, doing, you know, going really heavy, doing a little bit lighter with higher sets and just, you know, a progression for about like 16 weeks of it. So like, what does, can you hear that? Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Um, so what does the, uh, the strength training look like, like day to day, week to week on your end? Yeah. Um, I run basically every day, you know, I might take a day off a week, but you know, for me, like running five miles is a day off. Um, so I definitely do that, um, as my base work. Like I typically run, ideally I'm running 50 to 60 plus miles a week. Um, and I want to maintain that because I have the New York marathon at the end of the year. So I have to somehow maintain high rocks fitness and marathon fitness all as one. Um, Two is I, I get lifts in a lot. So, um, you know, usually on a Monday night, I go and heavy squat um, and I do five by five, six by five or seven by five heavy back squat. If I do five by five, I'll do front squat too. Um, and then I'll do some other lifts in there too. Uh, either Tuesday or Thursday during the week, I do a high rock simulation that adds plenty of strength in to my work. Um, typically I like to run a five mile run before I do it too, just to wear myself down. I didn't this week cause time constraints, but, um, I add uh, a couple days a week. I do a workout, a workout I really like is I do a hundred pushups for time straight into without stopping a hundred TRX inverted rows for time straight into another hundred pull up or hundred uh, pushups for time. Um, and I do that a couple days a week to really build muscular endurance and you get so sore from that. Um, I probably put on some size too with that many reps for upper body. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have uh, pull-up workouts I'm doing with, with and without weights. Um, but I typically try and get to about 50 weighted pull-ups and another hundred unweighted over the course of a sequence like that. I typically do some Metcons. Uh, I did one a couple weeks ago that I am repeating, which is, you know, six rounds of 25 calorie assault bike, uh, 10 back squats at body weight, and then 15 pull-ups as fast as you can. Six rounds of that. That's, uh, that, you know, that's, that's a really, really good, you get four rounds into that and you're like, what the hell happened to my body? Um, and, you know, I got that with, you know, track workouts, obviously, on Wednesday mornings. And then uh, um, try and get some mileage on the weekends. You know, this weekend we'll do Murph on Saturday. So that so we'll do some miles and then we'll do Murph. Um, and um, and then, yeah, my squ- I'm squatting. And then I do my hybrid athlete program that I'm – so I'm in that class uh, that I – it's like small group training. You're doing like run work alternating with pushing sleds or bike work into weights and – 
lifting trap bars and doing box jump overs and, and all kinds and hitting ski ergs. Like it's so, so I'm getting a lot of practice like that. Like I typically do two to three workouts a week where I'm on the ski erg doing ski erg with strength or ski erg repeats, stuff like that. Trying to get good, you know, at some of these stations, um, and a lot of core training. So, you know, it varies week to week, but I'm typically doing a lift five to six days a week on top of my running and then trying to add Metcon work to that too. So it's, it's, it's turning into two and a half hours a day. Yeah. That's, that's a, I was going to say like the volume, the volume's high and it seems, it seems high in, in time and also in the amount of just load that you're, you're stacking on with reps. It seems like your reps are, are, are really high in that area. And, and you mentioned muscular endurance. Is that the, kind of the idea behind it is that these events, right? They, they are heavy, but it's not a, it's a sled push that's going to take, you know, two and a half to four minutes, right? So it's not like a max lift, which would take 10 to 15 seconds if you're doing like I literally, ne- I literally never do a max lift, like ever. Like I, there's zero benefit for me aside from knowing like what your percentages are. And uh, I, I've been doing this a long enough time to know exactly what a percentage feels like to me. Like I can get under a bar, I can do a set of five squats and go, that was 50%, that was 70% of what I can do. Like let's, let's ballpark these because uh, max to me is just an opportunity to injure myself. I'm just not doing it. You know, the other day I was, I was on my, I finished my seventh set of back squats and I was like, let's do some bonus. Like, let's, let's add some extra weight to the bar again. Like, let's go up one more level and we're sitting at 300 and something pounds and I get one squat. I really struggle to get two squats and my girlfriend turns to me and she goes, you got one more. And I go, no, I don't. And I just, (laughs) just rack the bar and I'm like, I'm good. I'm good. It's, it's not worth it to me to like squeeze out one extra rep and hurt myself. And that's not the competition that you're gearing for, right? It's not like how much weight can you amass? Like, it's not like, you know, we're as runners, it's like miles per week as power athletes, they'll be thinking about like what their total like amount of weight Weight was moved, right? Like, that's not a metric that you need. And it's interesting because my approach is a little is different because I need to get stronger. Like I need to... For me to even, for my muscular endurance to even matter, I need to raise my total output, right? Like, so like if I'm yeah. training my muscular endurance at what my total output is now, it's, it'll be good for where I currently am and the weight I can move, but it's not going to be good for this event. I need to get stronger. So I am more in that, like I spend, not always, I spend a lot of time in, you know, two, like under five reps, like twos, threes, I, I'll do some singles, not at hundreds, but like, you know, in 90 some percent, just because I need to raise that floor where your floor has already been, is already higher than mine. So like, well, yeah, I mean, are you squatting in the three hundreds? Um, right at it. Yeah. Right at it. But not only, but only for like, like one or two. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, I, and, and I typically progress my lifts. So like if I'm doing seven by seven rounds of five squats, I'm doing them at uh, you know, like it starts at 225 after my warm up sets. I go 225 is usually like my first, and then it's 20 to 30 extra pounds every single round until I'm up in that you know 300 pound ish range. And so it's not on. It's not like it's like. But as you're fatiguing, you're actually challenging the muscles a little more. And and you know, I I don't want to do five sets of 300 plus pounds. Like it's 
it's just, a, it's excessive for me. I don't want to be so sore the next day that I can't train. I want to feel good the next day. And right. And like, it's, it's what you're, what you're able to do on that day, which is kind of in the lines of, I think what, um, so would you say you're getting into five, like what a five rep, like max would be for that specific day? Not maybe what your total ability. Yeah, you, you're moving towards five rep max basically. Right. Is the idea. But I do like aggressive jumps. Like most people put, add like an extra five to each side and I'm like, yeah, put a 15 on each side. Like, you know, big aggressive jumps. Right, to work up to that one big set for the day. Yeah. Huh, I like that. That's interesting. And then where, and, um, and you just take it for what it, what it goes. Like if you're feeling extra strong one day, like it might, that set of five might end up more than the set of five that was the previous week, but not necessarily with any type of intention to to be more, just that's what you felt like that day. I mean, I'd like to, you know, every two to three weeks, I want to see that those sets increase. Like, but I'm not, you know, I really don't think I would start any higher than 225 on my first real set. Like, I don't see a... I, I think it's all a matter of the build. Like the workout is a build, a crescendo, right? Like the way I train, like it's like I reduce the likelihood for injury by being smart about where I start hmm. and doing one, you know, starting by just squatting the bar and then doing a set at 135 and maybe even doing another warm up set at 185 before moving into like real actual weight, and not hurting myself. I mean, that's my number one thing I always tell my clients is like, don't hurt yourself. That's the biggest thing. The second thing is, you know, I'm building a lot of strength by doing other things that I also can't hurt myself doing. Like, um, I do my high rock Sims now with a 100 pound sandbag for the lunges. And so the idea is okay now, cause the sandbag crushed me in Dallas. I was just wrecked when I got to it, but now it's like, okay, we're so we're, we've been here, we've been here. And then you pick up the bag and it isn't a hundred pounds. It's 66. And you're like, yeah, baby. Let's go. So you're still you're still kind of training on like some like a progressive overload even in those sims by making them a little bit harder. So it's not necessarily like an apples to apples sim, but it's no, it's not apples to apples. the The rounds, the distances might be a hair shorter, um, and the weights are increased, but I don't know if they're necessarily harder because like the sleds, I put 500 pounds on the sleds yesterday for my sims for the push and the pull. And the pull felt similar to the pull in the race, but the push still wasn't as hard. That's crazy. That's crazy with that carpet that it that it does that. It's nuts. I mean, you know, and then you still gotta you know kind of figure out like footwear, like what works, because like stuff that grips the carpet well does not grip that concrete well. Yeah, it's like a very weird race. Yeah, there needs to be a, a, a shoe company that partners up to make the the, the perfect. High rock High shoe. Rock. Um, yeah, well, Puma's the, the partner, and I've never ran in Pumas before, so I don't think that's going to happen. Pumas did have like a running uh, – they have running shoes. They were kind of a, a big partner here in Philadelphia for a minute, but um, I don't know what they're like. I've never run in Pumas, and I'm not I'm not going to do it for this race. That's for sure. No, there's not a chance. I'm going to bring like three pairs of shoes down and test them out during warm-ups and, and kind of see what, see what feels good. I was kind of thinking the same thing, and I texted you yesterday about the um, – the Alpha Flies. Oh, I missed, I missed that. No, Alpha Flies. The, Hit them. Imagine doing it in Alpha Flies. I, like, well, because I was looking at, the, you have the Vapor Flies, right? I own both, but I've never actually put the Alpha Flies on. Oh, really? I just think sitting in a box, like I've been waiting for like a marathon or something to like bust them out. So I was actually at the running store yesterday. They had both in, in stock. So I tried them on comparatively and I only have Alpha Flies. 
and next to the vapor flies, like they're way different, right? They do feel a lot different. And like the, the lacing system in an alpha fly, it doesn't leave for much adjustability or, or customization. Like it just kind of is what it is. Um, so I really don't think that they'll work at all, but the, the vapor fly, you can kind of tie them up a little bit. Yeah. I I've actually, I tested it for a couple Sims, the vapor fly. I might wear them. I'm, I gotta really see how they work on that carpet. Like my nightmare scenario is, running a great race, but then slipping all over the place, trying to push the sled. Yeah. And so like, like I just, and then not being able to move it would be just an app or like on the pole, just not being able to get the traction that you need. Yeah. And I just, I can't put myself in that situation. So I really am going to go the night before over there and, and test it out and make sure everything is like copacetic. But yeah, it's just like something to think about with that. It's like, cause I saw like, well, I saw some people at, Deca wearing some of those shoes and I was like really I couldn't even imagine but if it gr like trying to do like like I don't know I guess in Deca there's not a lot of stuff that's like really an issue wearing a weird shoe but like in high rocks like you're doing wall balls you're doing you're doing burpee broad jumps like there's some things you know pushing sleds there's some things that would be weird you know you got to make sure that 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 shoe clips into a rowing machine binding well like these things, like the Pegasus 36 is great. The Pegasus 37 has a gigantic, like, uh, like uh, tip on the back of the heel. Right. And it comes, it pops out of the rower. Does it? So, yeah, you cannot wear it in a rower. Because that's the same. It's a nightmare. The Alpha Flies and Vapor Flies, they have the same, that same, like, weird heel that, like, kind of comes out. Vapor Flies is less pronounced. It's more like the Peg 36. The Alpha Fly, I don't know yet. I haven't tested it. They're just insane. But anyway, yeah, you got to figure out that, that, that shoe situation. It's going to be different, I'm sure, for every single person. Probably every venue. Like, it's it, as much as they want to make these things standardized, like, it's just not possible to always have it completely the same across every, every no, venue. Especially, like, Hyrox, like, with the layout, which is just, like, Deco was so organized, and it was just, like, so simple to follow, especially because they had um, – especially because they had a guy like pointing you into the next corral mm -hmm. each time it's your turn to do the next station. Um, I could have messed that up for sure at DECA if they didn't have that. But at High Rocks, it's like especially cracked out because like one, like one station is here and then the next one's up here and the next one's over there. And you just like, you're like, which one am I going to? Like they're not laid out in like one through eight. They're laid out like, it's like, it's like one is next to five and then six is next to two and three. Like, it's just really weird. And people mess up, right? People, all people time, always all are messing time. this thing up. That would suck. That would suck to have a good race and, and, and screw it up um, to, to like qualify through. Are you are you officially qualified or do you need to qualify in Orlando for Chicago? No, I, I'm qualified. I'm, I'm just going to Orlando for the reps. Yeah. I just want to get more experience and test out nutrition and different things like that. Like, for me, this is just like getting dialed in. I mean... I'm also there. I would love to run a really good time. Like I, I would love to, to go under 60 in Orlando. That'd be like, that's like the goal. Obviously it's harder than before I did the invitational. I assumed I was definitely going under 60. Now I realize it's harder than simulation. So all the turning is a huge factor. Like, you know, that from DECA now that like, just if you're turning on these 90 degree turns, you're slowing down and reaccelerating and using a lot of energy and your splits are slower and it slows your overall rundown in high rocks, like 90 seconds, maybe more. Um, and so in DECA, I mean, in DECA, we, we probably were 90 seconds slower than we would run a 5k on our run splits in DECA. 
you know, we were like 17 minutes and, and like in all my simulations, I did like 1530 for my run splits. So um, I think what we'll find it, it really depends in Orlando. Like, is it a two lap course or a three lap course? I would love to, to run on a two lap course, Chicago, where all the world records were set, where everyone, where Kent and Hunter, Hunter set the world record, Kent went under 60. That was a two lap course. And you see the dramatic difference on a two lap course. Versus a three. The one in Austin apparently was like three and a quarter. Three and a quarter laps. How hard is that to keep track of? Have you been, like, I remember doing indoor track and it's just like eight laps. Like, there's nothing else to worry about. It's just eight laps. And I would, for a mile, and I would 100% every time lose track of what lap I was on. Just like being, it's hard. It's hard hard because also, like, you're looking at, like, the one thing that the piece of advice I give people is, like use your watch like in deca it's really hard because things are happening so fast like turns there's a turn like every nine seconds when we were running and like you're like worried you're going to run into a gate if you look down but in high rocks you know your run is going to be like three and a half to four minutes if you're a good racer and so you have time but you also know like if you come through in two minutes and something you have another lap to do like it's really very straightforward you know, but people were telling me, oh, you can't check splits and high rocks. That's not possible because the distance is all weird. Uh, it's called math. I took the total amount of distance and what I want to hit and I divide it by the number of laps. And then I know what my lap splits need to be. It's not that complicated. Right. So, so I was checking. If you go back and watch the Dallas race, I was checking splits constantly hmm. on that race. Yeah, because I was hoping to check splits in DECA, but you're right. I, I, I don't think I even looked at my watch at all one one spot but it's also a little bit it's it's shorter so i'd imagine in high rocks where there is a little bit more time to be out there and, and kind of and needing to pace it out a little bit a little bit more because it's gonna like it's gonna matter a little bit more i feel like like managing pacing that. is like so pacing is so important in high rocks like first of all i was the guy that was like don't go out too fast and i still went out too fast like like i started in fourth place coming off the ski erg like intentionally but i still overdid it early like like i in, when I simulate in the gym, I always take the first round easy. And, um, you know, it's just, it's a long day, man. Like, it's a long day out there. And it's, it's like the longer you can avoid going deep into the pain cave, the better you'll feel about your race, you know, two-thirds of the way in. And the, and, pr- and the stronger you'll be towards the second half of the race, which is really when it matters. But that's just what's wild about it is that they throw that super intense sled at you right away right so it's like you can't it's yeah. it's hard to go easy on something like that because then you won't just you, like for me if i go easy on it it won't move and that will be a bad bad race strategy like i have to go really yeah, no, hard no, you for know sure. for sure but like it's like okay before coming coming into the skier like you don't need to pull you don't need to pull 140 pace on the skier mm-hmm. like you're, you're fine like just keep your heart rate down that's the big thing guys just go too hard they get caught up in this race I could see it, all the guys getting all worked up around me in Dallas. And then and then when we got to the sled push, it was just me and Hunter. And very quickly, it was just the two of us. And then I got caught up in like this. The crowd was going nuts. He pushed the sled. He stops and rests. I look at him. He's got a look in his face where he's beat red. And I'm like, this guy's hurting. I'm going to take it to him. And then my whole race strategy changed. I was like, I'm just going to break this dude now. And then... I ended up just like really putting myself on the verge of red line. And, you know, I held it together, but like it affected the rest of my race. So 
Um, you know, it's just like it, high rocks is run your own race, man. That's the beauty of that's the, the secret. And that's like, but it, and I do want to talk about this maybe in it. Well, actually, since we're here, like talking about running your own race, like, yes, but then the competition gets involved and like, it's hard to kind of keep that tunnel vision, even though it should be, you know, what you want to do and you control your effort. That should be the way it goes. In Orlando, they're talking about something with time trialing. Do you know what this is? I think we're still running like in waves. I just think um, that instead of just saying, hey, the top three people in each age group qualify, I think they're saying like you got to get these times to qualify. For oh, I see. Okay. Because I was. I couldn't. I could be wrong. I, I don't know. But I think that they still want it to be like look like a race. I don't think they want a time trial. I wasn't sure. Because I was reading, I was like, what? I was like, are we, it's like, am I not going to be able to run with Megiddo? Like, how, like, are we going to get spread, like, put every 60 seconds? Like, that would no, be crazy. That would be so silly. No. Yeah. So I don't think so. I mean, is your plan to just run with me? Um, no, I'm planning to do, to run my own race. But I would want, but I want to go there. You're going to be there. I want to know. Like to get the feedback of how the race is going, you know, it's important to like mm-hmm. know and to like learn about like the race itself. Like I want to be around the people who, who do it well. You know? And and I think, you know, like it does help to like come into a station and see wh- how long it takes for someone else to get to that station. Like one of the great places to do that is the rower in High Rocks. Like you look at your rower and like I get under the rower and someone yelled out to Hunter, how far in he was when I arrived, like how many, how much time the gap was. I sat down, I started rowing, Eric Hinman arrived and I was like, sweet, I'm 700 meters in already. Like I'm in cruise control now because I'm not catching mm-hmm. Hunter and this guy is not catching me. Uh, so, so I right. kind of like cruised for like the whole second half of the race because of that. But it, it does allow you, you know, if somebody came in 20 seconds behind me, I'm like, oh, sh- here, let's go. Like, it's time to get moving. And that's what's nice about not being time trialed. If it was time trial to be, I mean, it could go both ways. Like, if it's time trialed, you may be going scared the entire time. There may be no let up on anything. Or you might just be exactly where you need to be the whole time because you're not worried about, like, there is no worry about who's in front of you or behind you. So you don't change your effort based on the people around you. Um, but or that's what happens to people. Yeah, right. But that, that's what competition's for. It's like, right. That's why we do the races is because, like, if it's going to be a time trial, I might as well just do a simulation and just submit a time. Like, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean. But so one thing that I'm curious about, because the volume that you are putting in is high and like the amount of like with, with the running and with the, uh, the, the strength stacked on top and then with some of the different, you know, Metcon type of things that you're doing, it seems like a lot. And with this, the, there is definitely an element of, physics that's in play when it comes to you know the sled push the sled pull the rower the skier where it's like you know to create force it's you know mass times acceleration so even if you and i we accelerate at the same amount of of, uh same rate like your mass is more so the amount of force that you're going to be able to produce is going to be higher so like you know there's there's definitely an element of weight behind this so like your body composition matters Right. So like, are you thinking about how much you weigh during training? Cause the amount of training you're doing, it's like, it's probably hard to keep on. I'd imagine. Are you, tra- I'm actually bulking You're bulking season. Right Let's now. go. Yeah. Bulking season. I was like 188 at high rocks Dallas. I'm like 193 wow. right now. Nice. Yeah. I've been, I've been working on massing up extra protein all the time. 
Um, a lot of lifting. I'm the only human you'll ever meet that can bulk on 60 miles a week. It's uh, yes to put on mu- to put on muscle. People can get fat running that much, but to put on muscle, uh, you, <laughs> yeah, can, can. you can definitely get fat. Uh, so, but I'm but I'm trying to just it's I'm just trying to add functional weight. Like I'm trying to not lose my running. So like yesterday I did my high rock sim and I ran the exact splits that I run every single time I've done it. Actually, probably like 10 seconds faster on my run portion. And then, but my strength is through the roof compared to where it was a month ago. So keeping that and just getting stronger is really the big thing. So you, and and that was a goal. Like, did you go into this block? Like if I could add a little bit, that'd be great. Or were you just kind of like, I just want to get stronger and that ended up being a byproduct of it. Intentionally trying to get bigger and stronger. You were trying to get bigger? Intentionally. Yeah. yeah. Definitely like the goal is to, well, you know, and, and I was as shrunk as I can get because I hadn't been really strength training that much. So, so like, it doesn't take much for me to put five pounds of muscle on. Like it's like a month of solid work and it's just there. Cause you've been there, uh, right? Yeah. You, you've been, yeah. You've had I mean, my body's natural weight is between 185 and 195, depending on how lean I am. And so it's really not that hard to just be like, okay, I've been to a weight. Let's, let's bulk. Like my body's like, all right. You know, my, in high school, my coaches didn't let me lift weights because I just would get big so fast. And so they wanted to keep me at like 140 pounds runner. And then, you know, I wrestled and they were like, nope, you can't lift weights because every time you lift weights, you go up two weight classes. So, um, so I was the only person on the team, both of those teams, not allowed to touch weights. So, um, and they were, you know, it's just fighting genetics, you know? Right. So what do you, what do you think, what do you think the athletes, like say this, sport like blows up right like hybrid racing blows up and if it brings people out of the woodwork and kind of makes people train to to be the best possible to get the best possible results for something like this like crossfit for example there's definitely a body type that now emerged that has now emerged as the dominant body type like it's like dudes between five six and five eight who are like 210 pounds you know those are the guys who are going to be best at crossfit and that's just like what it like what it lends itself to what do you think that would be in an event like like hybrid like hybrid racing more on the high rocks end of things like say if high rocks ends up being like the thing i think you're looking at guys i mean if you look at the the benchmark here is guys that are at least i mean you don't have to be tall to be good at this but i think that the the height adds to your mass i think it helps i think it helps like you know, like I'm almost, I'm just a hair under six feet. Hunter's like six, one and a half. Um, and he's 214 pounds or whatever he is. I'm 190, you know, I'm 190 ish. Um, and I think you're going to see guys in the 180 plus range are going to be the dominant people in this, but they have to be able to run. And that's such a rare breed of guys that are over 180 pounds who can really run. Yeah. And then, and then on top of that, guys who are over 180 pounds who can really run compromised is a whole nother level. You know, the thing I like is that High Rocks, like Bracken described me once as a rhythm runner and um, which is why like obstacle racing and trail racing, I'm less dominant at, um, but, but I can get in a rhythm and High Rocks is a rhythm race. Like it's like, just get back to your rhythm. Just, all right, hit this station, get back to your rhythm, hit this station, get back to your rhythm. Um, yeah. You know, and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a good workout runner and High Rocks is essentially a workout. It is. That's the best. so so you think that guys like yourself or hunter like you so so to me like 
Yeah, an Atkins, like a build like Atkins. Like he's he's smaller because he's shorter, but but like proportionally, he's just built. Yeah, like it's good guys built like that. Guys built like you, you're built right. I, but and Atkins, I don't think Atkins weighs even more than I do, and I'm like one sixty eight ish right now. Like no, he, I think he's probably like in that same range yeah. as you, but he's a little shorter than you. Maybe, um, but he he just looks yoked, right? He's super lean. He looks like you like he looks like a tank, and then you get up next to him, and you're like, "Okay, oh, you're not that big." It's like, oh, you're, uh, you're an ultra but, runner, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but he's but he's bigger than an ultra runner. Right. I mean, it's way way bigger. So you so to me, the, what what you're saying then is that the running like the running piece is what's really going to take the results to the next level of this, right? Because if like someone like Hunter, who's really dominant na- right now in the stations, like his running's like like his running's incredible for his what he's doing. Was- for, for, his running was very good. I mean, he ran. He was only a minute slower than me on the run right. in Dallas. Um, but you know, and you look at it from the other perspective. Like my running was the third fastest run split in the history of High Rocks, and so guys aren't running much faster than what I ran. Now I just have to dial in the stations, which is why I've been adding all this strength work. But but uh, like you'll run a very good run split. You know, I expect, I fully expect you to run a very good run split, right. but it's not like going out for a five mile run mm-hmm. or, a, you know, it's not like even running a 10 miler. It is suffer yeah. for the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, like I trained with Mark yesterday and he outran me on the run by a significant margin. And I still beat him in the overall event by minutes because the stations are so important still. Yeah. And transitions are so important still. And, um, you know, fluidity on some of these things and efficiency matter. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, guys will be – I just, you know, I, I don't think like you'll see like a Logan Broadbent thriving in High Rocks. Like he's just not big enough, right? right? Or and, even like Forrest who – like I was talking to him and like he has – He's just not big enough. He's just not big enough. Like no matter what he can do with it's those just, wall it's balls. Like, it's not, yeah. It's not even fair to him. And, and you know, wall balls may be okay, but I don't think that he has enough mass to effectively push the sled where it doesn't destroy him. Like, like he can move the sled, I think, but but then the, the toll that it takes on your body to then run at the same speeds you ran before are gone for, for most guys. Yeah. Even like Bracken. Bracken told me like he never found his legs again. And he's done high rocks twice. It's an insane thing. Like when I've been training for it, it's like I think I was telling you in, in, in Florida is like it's like you're in a a, a race that's gonna be like half marathon to ten ten mile to half marathon distance, but in like the second mile you ha- you run an all out eight hundred, like as fast as you can eight hundred, and then you have to get back to the mm-hmm. pace of what your race pace would be for like that rest of that half marathon. Like that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it's really hard yeah, to it's do. Like that. Uh, it's like it's like York going out and running the Boston Marathon the first two miles oh, in yeah. first place and then surviving the rest of that race. Yeah, like I'm sure he could have run much faster that day, but the the put the push out front. The uh, he so that's interesting, right? Painful race of his life. He, well, he that's said what most he, painful race I've ever run. Must have been worth it. Had to had to been worth it. Um, yeah, yeah, because that's that's interesting. Then it's like. Are people going to get strong enough in these zones like that with enough training for, you know, someone puts in three or four years of training and gets strong enough and proficient enough at something like a push and like the, or the wall balls or the lunges or whatever it is. And then they can really dial in the running to bring, to push the times even down further. I mean, dude, like I'll tell you, Hunter, Hunter put a minute 45 on me on the sled pull after we were dead, even going into it. He put... 
a minute on me in the burpee broad jumps. A minute. He put, uh, you know, 30 seconds on me on the farmer's carry. And I ran a good farmer's carry. Like, um, he went, uh, he put... Uh, like a minute on me on the lunges and he put 30 seconds on me on the wall balls when I was, you know, the lunges and the wall balls, I was kind of, I'd already shut it down, but, but you get the point, like the, the value of these stations is significant. And it's the same thing that I do to other people, you know, like there's when I'm in my training, when I'm not redlining, trying to overextend myself early, like I can do the same thing to other people in those stations. It's just like, it's you got to do it at a reasonable rate going into it. So you're not broken when you get there. Yeah. It's going to take years for this race to really get like completely dialed wow. into where, it, where it's like an exact science of how to do it. Um, there are like, just not a lot of guys like out there that are built for this. You know, that's kind of what I was thinking too. Like, is it, that's what, that's kind of where this question goes. Is it going to be someone like yourself, like 190, 195 is, or is, is like someone like Hunter who is almost an anomaly with his size and how he can run. Like he's, he, total, total he's clearly an anomaly. Right. And he's like, he is this like beacon of light for all these big gym dudes who get into OCR. They're like, but Hunter's doing it. So I can do it too. But like, really, he's just, uh, he's the only he's one. The only one. <laughs> he's just, and like he's the only one over 200 pounds right now that, that can run even reasonably. Like, I don't know how much Ryan Hall weighs. Like, I feel like not he that doesn't much. Even his lower, no, like, I, I don't feel, think so. I feel like he's like, I feel like he's only like 180. His lower body's not very big. Well, he's, he's got a good deadlift and stuff. Though. Where he's so, wearing straps. <clears throat> oh yeah. So I, I've been curious. Cause I think he, people have been trying to push him to get into it. And I'm like, he could be great. He could also hit that sled and then absolutely fall apart. Yeah, and I just don't. I like. He just. He seems like he would look like the mold that would do it, but he doesn't run anymore. I don't think he wants to feel the feeling associated with high rocks like ever again. Yeah, I don't think he wants. That. I don't think he I wants think, to train. Yeah, he has potential for sure. Like if anybody's like that running background, that pedigree plus great strength, yeah, it'd be awesome. But. Uh, you have like high rocks is the most like miserable when you're doing it. You're just friggin' miserable and you just, you're great. You're like, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And then you get like six rounds in and you're like, this is make it stop. Like you're like, make it stop. And I just don't think that most people would do it and then be like, I need to do that again. I think most people are like, okay, I'm good. Like, you know, I'm talking like the high, high level athletes. Like, I think like, you know, after your first one, if it's for you or not, like, you know, like for me, I was like, I think this was built, like I'm built for this. And so for me, this is probably where I'll be able to maximize my athletic potential. And other guys would be like, eh, I could do better in something else, something less terrible. And that's kind of like what people are in OCR for right now. They're just testing out everything. Like there's so many different avenues now. There's like testing it out to see which one they're going to be best at. Um, yeah, look at like VJ. VJ is like dialing into shorter courses, yeah. obstacle heavy courses. Like one, because he's so great at them. And two, because that's like the directions the sport is going in from like a, at least like for him to make it like a really like financially viable thing. And also from uh, just like what he's enjoying, he's like, my training would have to totally flip to become like a mountain runner. He's like, I could do it, but then like, I'll be just grinding up hills all day. Like you, you have to choose what you want to focus on. And from a spectator perspective, looking at the sport, like, like zooming out and seeing where it's going to go. Like, like the Spartan races, they're just hard to watch, man. They're just really impossible to watch. 
Yeah, I mean, maybe if you have like a really excellent broadcaster, like really painting vivid pictures of what's happening, then they're cool. In that case. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, right now, uh, they're doing silent races. It's silent films. Uh, it's like a Charlie Chaplin kind of situation out there. Uh, running alongside runners, you, you use your imagination as to what's happening, folks. But at least, but even like, if you go to a race and it's not broadcasted, right? Like a Spartan race is really challenging to watch. Like a cross country race in high school, like a three point one around a high school, is hard enough to watch. Like you have to put in some work to catch yeah, that at least race. They come by like multiple times and stuff. And it's like yeah, it's not my up a mountain. Used to come. Yes. My parents used to come to a lot of my high school races and they loved it. Like they really got a lot of enjoyment out of watching me race, even though I'd run by, they'd have to sprint across the course to the other side, see me again, sprint across again. Like, and, but they could see me five or six times in a race. And then, you know what I've then they literally stopped coming to Spartan races in 2012, 2013. They were like, we're done with this shit because they literally would show up, watch us start. Maybe we would come by in the middle of the race and then they'd see me finish. And they were like, what a waste of our time. But they came to DecaFit and they were like, we watched the entire race. Totally. And it's like the same thing. Like in, in high school cross country, like like maybe two or three of my really close friends would come out and watch it because they just were there to support me. They probably would see me once. They didn't understand where the course went, didn't understand how to watch it. But a lot more people would come to track because you could just plop down and you could see it all. <laughs> it just looped around. It might not be that exciting, but like you could watch it at least. And that's what these short courses, Spartan Cross, like you're going to be able to watch it. And I think that Spartan if Cross. like the viability of the sport long term is going to be a matter of eyeballs that can watch it and enjoy it and know what's going on. So like, I mean, of course, but at the same time, like running what is running okay what's a runner what what event does a runner do well a runner might run a hundred meter dash or a runner might run a marathon or anything in between and obstacle racing can be that um you know the people there's there's a market for ultra marathon you know so at the same time there's a market for ultra obstacle races and you know like i would say that as much as people are love the, the action of the short courses there is a sick obsession that people have with the uh world's toughest mutter and things like that so so i i do think that yes for tv for spectators for sure the, the hybrid races spartan cross is the future of like televised racing no doubt but i also think there's something special about going to like a an ultra race, like a world's toughest mutter Spartan ultra and being there as the runners come through lap after lap, like there's, that's a special environment to experience as well. Right. So from a, a participation standpoint, like I don't necessarily see anything breaking apart the way it has now, because there is different markets for different people, but where the money's going to be, where the advertisers are going to need to be, they're, they're going to have to be in the ones that are best like to capture and to watch. Um, Listen, if you're going to have advertising, you got to have a television product. And the fact that there is not a current television product is just, it's not working. It's not going to work for the athletes. It's not going to work for the race companies. You have to have proof of concept of a race that is fun to watch, that the production quality is high, that people are going to actually tune in for. And we were on the way and now it is no more. And now... We're relying on companies like Hildervat to kind of uh, move that forward. And yes, we're relying on High Rocks. Like High Rocks put out a, is putting out feeds of their races, not just not just live feeds, but but uh, post production stuff. 
Um, I didn't love the post-production of the Dallas race. I thought it seemed kind of like a tutorial video, not a, not a race. They were kind of but- bagging on you too, bro. They're like, if I was Magida's coach here, I'd be like, listen, he's got it. <laughs> yeah, keep my name out your mouth. No, <laughs> uh, no actually, I, I, I was fine with that. I mean, uh, it was my first time. Right. <laughs> I was, I was uh, making some rookie mistakes. I wasn't clearing the rope. I, was, I, I did go out a little hot. Um, and, you know, I think, but I think that it's important that they like, they were like, well, cut out all the running. Nobody wants to see the running. That isn't true. Like, did you watch the Elite 12 race? The one from Berlin, the World Championships for High yes. Rocks? The treadmill yeah, one. I did watch that. Yeah, they cut out some of the running, but like, it was so fun to watch. They, they're concerned that people do not want to watch more than like 15 minutes on YouTube. And I totally disagree when it's races. People want to watch a long, even if they fast forward, they want to watch the whole race. And, uh, or at least, you know, can you get, you know, 40% of the running in there too? People want to see it. People did not want to see two one hour races crammed together and then cut down to a 30 minute cut. Like that's not what the people want. I guarantee it. And it was disappointing for us, but like, we like to watch this stuff. We'll hook up our bike trainers, sit in front of the TV and watch it while we ride. Totally. And and that's the other thing I do with my training. We like to bike train. Uh, but but um, I haven't been doing that much lately. But it's it's great to have that. And, like, I don't want to see a 15-minute version of a one-hour race. I don't want to see It's that. like taking a 90-minute a, a movie and cutting out all of the necessary, like, the slower dialogue pieces that set up the entire story. Like, a race is a story. Like, there's stuff that happens in that. And a lot of that happens if half of the race is running. You're cutting out half of the story. Like, you don't really know what's... What's What's happening? Yeah. The race inside the race. And uh, I look at it like, okay, do you watch a basketball game? I'm going back to basketball. Do you watch a basketball game? Or do you check the score the next morning and click the view game highlights clip like, and watch the the three-minute highlights of uh, a two-hour game? Like that – it's just not as satisfying. Yes, you you find out kind of what happened, but you don't actually have the energy of it. No. You don't have the true story, um, and so you know I think that that's that's kind of what we were getting with that last episode. And maybe it needs to be like be on opposite ends. Like they really cut it down for like TikTok, and then they leave it long because like then you're in that no man's land. If it's 25 minutes, like it's dissatisfying. And it's also kind of long. So if you want to, you can't like be like, oh, it needs to be shorter because if it needs to be short, it needs to be really, really short right now. You know, it needs to be like, it needs to be something you can pull up and see like one highlight and see the results and be like, okay, cool. Or it needs to be the entire thing. So like, I'm for that for sure. I watched the one that ORM put up. I watched that twice, <laughs> you know, the, the full, the full race. The full high rocks. Yeah. And I mean, you, so you, so you got to stare at Matthew Davis's shoes for half the race. They, but I mean, like, it was since it was all in one place. It was better than watching the Spartan Jacksonville, you know. Yeah. Yes. I mean, the the thing is that they're Spartans. I just don't see them going back to the really high quality productions. We were they were spending like seventy five thousand dollars an episode back in the day. <laughs> I don't see that happening again. But it was cool. Yeah. So maybe if they like is a, a, the Spartan Cross is supposed to be that next investment. I, mean, I don't know anything about it, but like maybe that team racing, baby team racing. That'd be cool. I, I mean, I hope. I mean, I'm, I'm worried how they're going to try to leverage us as athletes to like make it well, be a thing. Well, they they will, but you know, ideally everybody gets a check. 
right. paycheck. Right. It, hopefully it's in, it serves us well. How many complaints would you have if you had $20,000 at the front of the year to handle all your travel and expenses, just guaranteed money, and then you could win more? No complaints. Until like the next year, it's something different. You got to change everything that you're Until, doing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen, it's, it's, it's just kind of, you know, we've got to get out of this mindset that Spartan is the golden goose because they are the platform that enables people to get sponsorships and we got to get teams together and we've got to make it worthwhile to those teams. And the way Spartan can help with that is by bringing back quality feeds and, uh, you know, you're not going to get that out of Tough Mudder because you're not getting it out of Spartan and they're now the same company. And you're, you know, High Rocks is, is going to open the door a little bit for some of this stuff, but, but they're not big in the United States yet. So they've got to grow. And, you know, I, look, it's possible. But again, two different sports now. These are two different sports. Some of the overlapping athletes, but mostly two different sports. They will begin to splinter even further for sure. And that's, that was the idea with like with Torque, with the obstacle collab, it's like seeing what happened with the the Spartan games was something to me, like that was really frustrating. You know, it's like, I didn't belong there. I'm not saying I like in any way, but like there was definitely some Spartan pro team athletes who did belong there, you know, and they just didn't. And then, and then high rocks did it too with the invitational. You had to fight your way to get in there. And you were the dude, I had to fight so hard. And then everyone thought that I was like this arrogant jerk because I was making a case for myself. And that was pretty insane. And like you were um, the you, you you got you were the only one who were, who was worth being in that race. And they weren't gonna invite you. You know, it's like well, like I understand that these companies need to grow the sport the way that they think is viable right now. And you know, the influencer marketing is definitely something that's really, really powerful. But like the athletes are right here, man. Like, here we are. We like invest in the athletes. And well, and that's it. But the thing is, athletes like, all right, you want influencers? Make these athletes influencers. Give us education, so that you know, with 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 social media teams that help us grow our brands, so that we can can be leveraged to grow yours. And uh, you know, I think. It's cool when you grab an underwear model who has a hundred thousand followers and then they do a Spartan race and um, and you know what like they expose more people that are not the current audience but there's a way to use I mean you have these all these jacked super fit beautiful people let's use them man what are we doing and who were and who live the sport right it's like I see some of the they're, yeah they're yeah, I see some of like the the master coaches or whatever they're they're doing, and it's like I don't even know. Do they even do that sport? Like, I don't. Um, you know, they they participate. But that's, that's kind of how it's always been with the master coaches. The master coaches have never been us. The master coaches have been people who are who love who love it, um, and maybe they are good coaches. But um, it's a it's it's not like like shouldn't they take uh, Ryan Atkins and just he's automatically a master coach? Right. Why does he need a certification? Like it should like VJ. Why, why does he need to get certified? He is as masterful a coach as you could possibly get. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's so that's totally true. It's so it's kind of, you know, it, it kind of cracks me up. But at the same time, like, you know, they they had a rough year. Spartan had all these race companies had a really hard 2020. Like they didn't make any money. They had expenses out the wazoo because they have, you know, they had salary people. They had to cut a lot of salary people. They'd bring some people back now. You know, they're they're making up for a lot of lost cash. And, you know, so I feel for them. I understand why they're not spending money on the productions. And I understand why they don't want to spend money on the pro team athletes. And I understand, you know, all of this. But 
Let's not think short term. Let's think big picture. That's exa- like exactly right. Like, and I try to be uh, grateful for for what this sport is at now because like it's actually pretty good. Like these payouts that we get are pretty awesome. Like we're not gonna make that. Yeah, like it's, really it's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like and it's given us uh, an avenue to. And, and if it wasn't for you know this mega platform like Spartan to build it up this way, maybe someone fills that in a vacuum or whatever, if it's gone and maybe there is a market here that would have been tapped into anyway, but right, but it wasn't like Spartan got it. So like we're, I need to be grateful for that because like, honestly, it has a lot to do with everything in my life, but at the same time, it's like, okay, like if we want this to work, yes. Like think about it beyond what is currently like what you think is the best move to get people in the door tomorrow. Right. And if, and that seems to be what's kind of happening now is that people are, are starting to feel alienated from that once they really kind of are exposed to it long enough that are they like, is it to keep as many people in the door or just have it like a rotating door? And, and well, I, you know, Spartan was very, they, they're the, they're the shining star in the sport. Right. And, and they are, excuse me, excuse me. there might be another one coming, um, but they are, thank you. They are um, expanding. They're in expansion mode, right? They picked up Tough Mudder yep. and Warrior Dash. Um, now they've added Spartan Combat, you know. They got the wrestling deal, yep. Yeah. Um, and they have added um, the, the bike racing, right? So they are in growth mode, but they're not in spend mode. They are doing it kind of Shark Tank style. I just learned this. They are basically going to these other races, competitions, whatever, and going, hey, listen. We'll give you X number of dollars investment and you give us 50% of your company and we'll blow it up. We'll make it huge. And so they're doing it like you want 100% of something small or 50% of something massive. And that's how they're basically just getting their hands in everything. And so, you know, from that standpoint, like you're talking about a world-class race company slash logistics company taking control of your business. It's pretty dope. So they're, they're um, using capital to help expand. They're not, so they're, they might not necessarily be expand, like stretching themselves in terms of operations. Cause that's where I get worried when I see all these other things. They bring, they're bringing, you know, they're, they're having their quality control people go and, and audit these companies, I think, and, and help streamline them and help grow them and using their marketing prowess and, and things like that. But overall they're keeping their focus on exactly what they're doing, you know, but you'll see like, you know, uh, a guy who helps like race direct, or race manage like a Craig, you know, Craig who like race manages for them. He'll, he was like basically helping uh, launch the Decafit in West Palm. He was out there with, with Jared making it happen. Um, they'll have, you know, they had for Spartan combat this weekend was down in uh, same area in Jacksonville, like, like one beach over uh, from Hildervat and uh, Cherie and Mike Morris are there making sure that's going smoothly. And then during their break, they came over to Hildervat and just checked it out and just wanted to see what was going on. Cool. Um, and so they're, they're there, but like, you know, if Mike, if, if Cherie is at an event, like the combat, like it doesn't take away from the next Spartan race that happens. Like, it's just, it's just getting execs with eyes on stuff, making sure everything's, you know, operating smoothly, at least the first couple times. And then they'll put quality control people in place. It's no different than when they used to sell franchises and have quality control people. And Hey, like if this, if this works, if this is a strategy that is going to be lucrative, that's just going to mean there's more money coming in for the, for everything, you know, ideally, probably not right now, but like Spartan's a little cash poor, I think because they bought Tough Mudder for like 
you know, what, $14 million or something, and then immediately didn't get to have any races <laughs> and then had to support two staff. Right. Like staff from both companies. Like, I, dude, that makes sense. Like, that sucks. They they did get a cash influx. You know, I think they sold part of the business to uh, to private equity or something just to just to have cash to keep going. Yeah. Uh, but now they're they're okay. So when it comes, so like, buy your own flights to these races. It's <laughs> basically what it comes down to. Well, yeah. you know, Woodsy called me. Uh, he said like I'm such a Spartan Homer or something like that. I, I am. I don't bite the hand that feeds me, man. <laughs> and and they've been good to me for for a long time. And and part of it is like. I think athletes, we got to realize that like we have tremendous value and we can bring tremendous value. But part of that is, is kind of being good soldiers. And part of that is we are very replaceable. Like if you stop showing up to a race there, like you're the guy who won the race. Sweet. Like you're awesome, but someone else wins instead of you. And then they're the, the face, Same thing. you yeah. know, like, like we are only as important as, you know, the public perceives us to be. Now, if Atkins stopped showing up to every race, people would be like, where's Atkins? Atkins could have beat that guy. Like, you know, but at the same time, the race goes on. People keep watching. That's what happened with CrossFit, right? Like, Rich Froning retired. It's Matt Fraser. Matt Fraser retired. It's going to be somebody else. They're still going to care. You know, they'll have those discussions yeah. and, um, and and some back and forth on it. But that's also something that I thought about, like, that Spartan did a really, really good job at is – like, because we are just a piece of their puzzle in terms of like how to d- use us as outreach, and like I said, they're like definitely going to leverage us into the races that they want to go, what they want to expand, and things like that. But they have the majority of the athletes. They saw it as an opportunity early. It's like let's make this a competition, let's make it worth their while, and like let's get everybody who wants to be competitive in this in our in our world. Um, and it kind of worked. Yeah, they did. Well, you know, they kind of figured out like. Okay, we're going to be the competition one. Like Warrior Dash is going to be the drink beer one. We're going to be the competition one. Tough Mudder is going to be the fun, like, do it like yeah. camaraderie one, right? Like, and then Tough Mudder wanted to compete with Spartan, so they added timed races. Now that's going away again because, like, bring bring them back to what? Because it's like very divided camps. Like Tough Mudder people and Spartan people, like they don't overlap that much. Like Tough Mudder people find Spartan races kind of boring. Um, you know, people that do Spartan races, like, are like, what do you mean I don't get time yeah. when I go to a Tough Mudder? Like, yeah, like, you're in kind of one camp or the other for the most part. And um, some people do both. And they just, like, like to do the courses. And so you're going to get those people. But but they're basically appealing to slightly different audiences. And so keep them different. That's that's what Spartan has decided. And it makes sense. It should be. I think that that, like, that, was, a, that was kind of an overstretch on Tough Mudder's part when they tried that, I thought. Definitely- yeah, I mean, you know, they do it for World's Toughest Mudder, but that's probably going to even regress back to more of a, a completion thing than a... And that was f- than, that was first, right? That was the first 24-hour OCR, that, competitive OCR. I think so. I don't know how long the tough guy races used to be. I think they were not that long. I don't think so. Anyway, like domestically yeah. anyway. Um, yeah. So, okay. So one thing, I'm going to switch gears on this. That was cool. Uh, but I had one question I did want to... To talk to you about where it sure. um so like looking at the sport pretty new still like where we are in terms of this so there's not there's there hasn't been like almost like a full career arc we're starting to see some but we never really got to see like we don't know like we're gonna get to see vj johnny luna lima we're gonna see what they're gonna progress like throughout their whole like prime as athletes right yeah but a lot of other people got into it much later in life like 
Hobie Colby got to see what he could do at the back end. And like even guys like, you know, like myself or like Kirk DeWin who got into it a little bit later, you know, maybe like we're, we're kind of coming up to the edge of our like athletic peak or whatever. But we got to see it with that. You're kind of, we got to see it. <laughs> right. So we and, saw it with that. Right. But like since he got into it, it was so new, it's just been amazing that he's been able to stay stay dominant, you know, or, or kind of <laughs> remain at the top for in all these different things. Yeah, he's amazing. Um But for you, you were kind of in it at its inception in terms of like making it a a, a pro sport. And you were when you were on the pro team first, what were you twenty seven? Twenty five? Um, gosh, so that's, I joined the pro team in 2013. So 26, so, 27. What is that? 20, that's like eight years ago. Yeah. So 26, 27. Yeah. And, uh, so like, and so, yeah. So yeah, like kind of in like that where you're kind of, front. What's that? You go. Yeah. Okay. You so go. that was like kind of in like your at, like athletic peak more or less. Right. So a lot of years to the year. But like when I came into this sport outside of that race, we talked about earlier in 2013, like I hadn't necessarily seen you a lot. Right. And like we talked about some of the commentary things and um, I don't know necessarily where you were for a couple of years there when I was starting to really know where people like who people were in the sport and who like yeah. were these best, best athletes. But now you're you're back in like a big way. Um, and maybe it's because of these hybrid races, but like, you know, things were going well in Jacksonville. You would have been top 10 easily there. Um, easily. Easily. and like your fitness is there. And like, it seems like you're back. Are you like, did you, do you call, do you think this is a comeback? Is this our first comeback story or, or do you ever think you left? Oh, I left. I was fully retired. Um, I just didn't have time. I was focused on my business and, and that was a big part. And, and then, you know, I got, I lost a lot of fitness the first year that I opened my studio because I was working so much that I wasn't even training. Like I just, I barely had time to get in like, you know, 45 minutes of exercise for myself or the energy. And I just kind of, I spent like a couple of years just like, first I lost fitness. Then I gained like, like, then I got back to like looking really good and being fast, but not the, the level of fitness that I needed to be good, like to be at the high le- highest levels of OCR. So I'd run like my local races, but I lost my confidence in myself uh, because I just, you know, I wasn't running 60 miles a week. I was running 15 <laughs> and, um, and I, I lost my, my base and I just, you know, I didn't have the time or the energy to, to get it back. And then. Um, I got it back a bit in like 2018. I started running hard again. I, I jumped in, I, I podiumed like five or six races and I was like, okay, yeah, we're into it. And then I got hurt again. I missed some, in, I missed some time with some calf injuries and, um, stepped back, kind of shut it down a bit. And then, um, I got a credit, Mark Adet, my brother, he's just like, he, he and I met, we went one, two at the DC Spartan race and we just the next day we did our first training workout together and he and i've been training 2018 i think 2018 um 2018 or 2019 maybe 2019 actually right because i think he did the dc yeah i think that was his first year and so yeah since then he and i have been just gung-ho training together hard and he's gotten my running he helped me get my running back on point and you know so much to the point that i i I banged out a 240 marathon with him. You know, we did the JFK 50 miler right here. Um, and um, that just totally changed my fitness again. Like, I'm just like, when I have that base, then I can fly. Then I got my 5K times down back to like where I was running in high school. And 
Um, and now I feel confident stepping onto any course that I'm like a factor. And it's, it's like, okay, I never want to lose this again, but I don't know how sustainable it is because I'm training so hard right now. What is it? The, is there something that is there that maybe when you were so focused on growing the business that the, the, what it replaced the, like the fire that was burning for training that your fire started burning cool. for, uh, for the business aspect or like, what is it they brought yeah, you back? The desire, to, the desire to succeed just got channeled somewhere else. Right. And like, you know, so much of like racing is like, it's like a lot of like bravado and ego, like to like pour into yourself that much effort every day and to go out into the race and, and basically like run, be willing to like basically die out there to, to win a race. Um, I lost that for a while and then I had to rediscover it and the, and I describe it as like the fire's back. And so everyone's doubting me coming into this year and I'm like, shit, man, like I know how fast I am. Like, you know, like you and I ran that 10 miler together. I know you're faster than me over 10 miles, but like, you know how fast I am. Yeah. You did it the hard way too. You didn't, didn't, didn't pace that. You just went. <laughs> I did. I was like, I'm going to hang on to these guys for as long as I can. And then I'm going to survive. And you did. It, it, you did it. It was a very, very painful way to run a, a 10 miles. Yeah. But, uh, so five miles of max effort and then five <laughs> miles of survival. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I think, you know, it, it's like, okay, I, I actually want to succeed at, at a high level in this sport again. And so then boom, like all of a sudden, I'm, I'm back. And like, you know, what I realized is like, now I can duke it out with, with the top guys again, you know, I might, I may not be like the top, top three, four guys, but like pretty much everyone else in this sport, I could beat them on any given day. I could probably beat some of these top guys on any given day. If it's the right course, the right, the right race, you know, stadium race, you put me up against some of those, those, uh, top five studs from, from the national series. I think I could take down half of them at least in a stadium race. And so this is like kind of what I was talking about before, like it, 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 that fire of like you just decide, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like the fire just kind of gets moved and placed somewhere else. Do you have any reason? Why are you like that? What is that? Mm -hmm. um, I've always been like a very intense competitor. I was that kid that like when I was little, if we'd lose, I'd like cry. Yeah. Uh, I hated to lose more than I love to win. And, uh, I lost that for a long time. Like one, I think I was hyper competitive and like people didn't even want to be around me when I was a kid. So I had to really pull that back and I'm still very competitive, but, uh, you know, you have to like channel it the right way. And, um, I also was the shortest kid in my grade until like my junior year of high school. So I had like this really intense Napoleon complex. Um, and now I'm, fairly large, probably one of the biggest people in our sport. Definitely. Um, but that complex has not fully gone away. Do you have to stoke it? Do you um, have to like, he's like, I think about like, you know, the, did you watch the Jordan documentary? Yeah. Like, like, like he's like making uh, things I up. Took that personal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like he, the dude, he made that thing up about the guy on like the wizards or something saying something to him and he didn't. <laughs> I didn't just, have to. I know. Uh, I don't have to make too much up because so many people talk trash about me um, that it's just kind of like always there. Like, like I state your case for why you deserve to be in high rocks. Okay, I make my case. Oh, you're an asshole. Like, like 
be more humble. Talk, you know, you'd never see Ryan Atkins talk about how talented he is. And I'm like, I'm just trying to get into this race, man. Like, <laughs> like I'm just trying to trash talk my way in, just like Hunter trash talked his way into the CrossFit games. Like, let's be serious. And, exactly. Um, and, and it worked. And then people afterwards sending me messages, like, because I didn't beat Hunter. Like, oh, what a tough lesson learned that was. Was it a tough lesson learned? I got what I wanted. I got to race. Everybody thought I ran well most people. And I, I walked away with $3,000. Like, did I learn a, a tough lesson there? No, I'm going to be better at high rocks in my next race. I had a lot of fun and, and I got to walk with cash. And like, yeah, you got it. You, you, you just kind of exposed something that, that like what that event was like, you're like, Hey, I'm an athlete. I deserve to be here. Put me in it. And that was true. You know? Um, so I, I, and that's, and I can see how, but it also like created like a, a story, a narrative too. So like it got a lot of eyeballs on it, partially because. Well, and then you know, and then it turned into a lot of trash talk because I sent this letter to High Rocks, and I was basically like, like Hunter wants a race where he's not going to be challenged. Like he's just looking to make an easy ten thousand dollars. Like put me in this race so I can push him. Like, and then I took some lines out of some old TV show stuff we used to do, and I was like, like you know, like, like give me a chance to put my foot on this guy's throat. <laughs> And he, you know, and then he called me, let me tell you something, man, you gotta talk about me like that, put your money where your mouth is. You know, he bet me five grand that I wouldn't finish in the top three, and then I, I didn't take the bet because I was like, I don't know who's in the lineup yet, but uh, obviously I wish I had. I told him I'd, I'd bet him 500. I said, I'll put $500 on it. And he said, not enough, not enough money to make it worth my while, you're not in the race. And then I just started, I just kept talking crap after that, and... Um, you know, it, it, it's one of those things where it's like, don't tell me I can't do something. Cause I don't, I don't like, I don't like that answer. I do not like that answer. Um, and so, yeah, when we got in, we got in, we, we shook a lot of branches, like, and you performed well. Right. And like, sometimes I think that it, it could go either way. Um, but if you're wired kind of how you are, like you were going to perform well, because that's the, 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 something that does kind of keep that fire going for you when, when it's not there. Is there times where it, it, you can't harness it that same way? Do you need those kind of stakes or can you kind of internalize? Yeah, I mean, I can internalize a bit. Like he posted all this stuff on his page after I was accepted to the race about he, – he was like making fun of what happened in Jacksonville with the tire issue. And he was like, oh, like, you know, this guy, like he just uh, – he wants to – he thinks he can beat me in this race and uh, – I just want to, you know, he's been training really hard. I just want to congratulate him for being just such a big fucking pussy. Like, and he put that on his story. And then for the next, sorry, I'm cursing. No, but, I, I curse um, It's good. We're good to go. Okay. For the, for the next month in my training, every time I hit like a hard part of my training, I was just like, fuck you, Hunter. Like, I would just say that to myself, like out loud when I was like really suffering and, and just like, just fuck this guy. And I don't know why people celebrate him the way they do. He's incredible talent, but like, be polite. Don't be a jerk. Um, and, and, and he kind of, he loves to cross that line and just go too far. And, you know, we, like I said, we, he and I have been friends on and off. It's on and off. You know, it's been contentious sometimes. And then other times we're like brothers and, you know, we fight like brothers. And so, you know, I know what he's going to be like when it's competition. And then as soon as he secured the win, then he loves you again. If you're a threat, you're the enemy. And so, uh, you know, I, like a guy like him, that that was all the motivation I needed to get like really fired up. But now I still want to like hunt him and beat him. Uh, it's just like, 
I don't want to singularly focus on one person. I want to focus on the event. I'm just really passionate now about just like getting into that world record conversation. Yeah, man. And that's one thing. That's one thing about you is that like I like I said, I could see how people can construe construe it as like arrogance or being cocky or this and that. But like at the end of the day, you're just like an incredibly kind person. Like you mean well in all aspects and like getting to know you like that is, is, is it just bleeds through like really getting to know you and everything like that. So, um, you know, I'm on your team. So I'm, root, I'm rooting for that world record to go down too. But I, I want to be right. I want to be like around it. I want to be there. I want you to be there too. Yeah. On the other half of me wants to crush you so bad you never want to do a high again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so I can't wait, man. I really can't. I think it's going to be super fun um, just to kind of yeah, just kind of mix it up we're gonna, to see. We're going to have a blast, yeah. man. We're going to have so much fun. You know, you, you laid the wood to me in DECA. Um, and this is going to be a different experience. Yeah. And like, we talked about tech a little bit off, off air a little, and like the, it's just, it's a weird kind of idea that it's, you know, they wanted to make, they want to make it for everyone, but, and I admire that, but that's almost like marketing one-on-one, right? Like you kind of have to be like niched and they're. Yeah. I mean like anybody can empty the tanks on any distance race on anything, yeah. but I, I still felt like it was a little too easy. Um, and and that was my, my issue with it was, was like, dude, like we can't always cater to the lowest common denominator. Like make it harder or have the elite race be harder. Like the idea that it has to be the exact same is, is like kind of infuriating. CrossFit has prescribed and scaled. Like let's be serious. Like do the scaled race as your first one. Do the prescribed race as your second one. Like have a, a means of progression for people. I think that that's important too. So... So I thought that like the ball, the the the, the dead ball wallovers should have been double the weight, half the reps. Yeah, that would have been fun. That and that like because that was that, that station needed and like there, there's not a ton like in High Rocks, like you need to really focus and like to improve on those specific areas because the, the weight is so much and the, and like the volume is so high. Like mm-hmm. where where Deckard is kind of like you can just kind of go in and do it. You know, if like, I mean, if you want to maximize, if you want to take the times down, you know, if, if they start getting to like 28, 27 high minutes, something like that, you probably need to really kind of crunch and, and, and get very specific on it. But I don't see how someone would glean into that event as opposed to a high rocks. And if they did lean into that, I probably probably come in and probably just go right back outside to to regular obstacle races. Yeah. I mean, Yancey said to me, he goes, oh, like. You know, if Elliot Kipchoge showed up for Decafit, you'd blow him out of the water. And I was like, no. If Elliot Kipchoge showed up to Decafit, his heart rate would never go above 130 and he'd be running 14-minute 5K. He would be coming in and out of the stations completely fresh. And even if I gained 20 seconds of station on him, he this man can run 67 second or 69 second quarters for a marathon. Like, we were running 75-second quarters. What are you talking about? Like, he would be obliterating us. Yeah, it, it, that might be the case. Yeah, like, the, he might, like... He would run He would run 60-second quarters for the entire time. He'd have to get real bad at the other stations. But, like, yeah, how fast he That's could... what I'm saying. Like, like, you don't think that he could get on an assault bike and ride within 15 seconds of us on an assault bike? Right. Come on, his aerobic engine's through the roof. You don't think he can pick up a 60-pound ball? Just what are we talking about? Have him train for like a month. And that's like the thing with uh, – you saw that in the women's races. So like the fastest women's races has all like just been the three flat-out fastest runners. 
that's all it is. And you and I were the two fastest runners that have ever run uh, a decafit. Yeah, our stations were also good, though. <laughs> our stations were good. Yeah. yeah, but that's the thing. You have to be good at stations. But, like, you know, we had a way slower course than the Dallas course, and we both broke the record. Right. So it, it really comes down to can you haul and can you transition and, and are you good at stations? Like, you know, it's, it's, not a, it's not rocket science, you know. Very few guys who are great runners – are also good at the stations. Now, Decafit makes it so the stations are not that bad. Like Derek York won the Dallas race and, and you know, made it through all the stations fine. But he did High Rocks and had, I think, the fastest running split ever at High Rocks, but it was like in the 70s for, for minutes, 70 minutes plus yeah. for his actual overall time because the stations crushed him at High Rocks. It's a different race. Different race. You know, so it, it'll be interesting to see, like, how that plays out long term and i think they have a good idea in terms of like how they affiliated with gyms and like creating awareness domestically for it i think it will i hope it's gonna kind of keep around um i mean yeah and and they're cool i i think you know the deck of strong the deck of mile the deck of fit it's pretty cool to have like three different ones i also think it's cool if you have a deck of fit heavy yeah where we're coming into stations and we're doing 225 pound deadlifts that'd be sweet between yeah Sweet. I'd be down. Yeah. Like they did the de- like they did that at Spartan Games, like the deca heavy or whatever, without the running. Yeah, but add, the, add running, the running, but do it with the running, man. Like that's how you're gonna get the CrossFit type athletes in. If you have something like that, or even if it's just you go in and you do 15 clean and jerks at 135, right? You do half of Grace. That will get people yeah. in. You know, like these uh, every CrossFitter I've talked to that's done deca has been like deca fit. They've been like, it's fun. It's not for me. They've all said it's not for them. If you want, that's a huge market. Find a way to get them in. And don't just tell me it's the non-running version. Like, like make them do the running, but also have it be like, okay, my strength matters. Yeah. High rocks, your strength matters, but the run is so long. It's too long. There's, like no, yeah. there's very few CrossFitters who can run like that. Like Rachel Schreiber is like an anomaly because she ran in college and she's got a Boston qualifier marathon. Like, Yeah. Yeah, so we'll see, and hopefully it does. It blows up enough that like athletes will spend their time in there. But we got to do our parts, right? We got to start. We got to push it forward. You and I, we're gonna move it forward, we're man. We gotta, we gotta make the thing exciting. So let's give them a hell of a show. Let's do it on next Saturday. That's what I'm talking totally. about. All right, man. Where can people find you? We'll wrap this thing up. Um, where can people find you on socials and uh, the the gym and all that? <clears throat> yeah, grab my handles at David Magida, M A G I D A. Um, you can you know follow me there. Um, my gym is Elevate Interval Fitness at Train at Elevate on Instagram. Uh, we're in Washington, D.C. with two locations. You can take uh, our regular HIT classes with strength and running and endurance. You can do my Just Endurance program, my Just Strength program. I got a hybrid athlete training program coming up. You better reach out to me ASAP for that, though. Spots fill up fast for that. It's an eight-week program at a time. Um, and, yeah, outside of that, man, catch me at the races. Say what's up. I'm always down to, to chit-chat. Be at Orlando. Be at Chicago. What else you got in the latter half of the year? Orlando and Chicago are the two big races for me for June. I have not thought about the rest of the summer. I would love to get a couple stadium races in maybe. I feel like I'm in good stadium fitness. And um, a New York marathon at the end of the year. Sweet. You got a a time in mind? Shoot. Well, New York's not not a notoriously fast course. That's true. Um, but I would love to go under 240 there still. You know, I, I do want to do, like, one of my goals was to get up to 200 pounds and set the Clydesdale record. Um, 
because I'm so close to that already, and and my times are already so close. I think that 236 is the Clydesdale record. So, I mean, Mark and I were on pace for 236 at mile 20 on the beginning of mile 22 when I when I hit the wall my last marathon. That was a, fu- a fueling issue, just fuel. We were running five. We were running sub 550s for the previous couple miles leading into that, and it was just a, I overran a little bit, and the fuel was not. Uh, my stomach got upset, and, and so then I couldn't take fuel anymore. Tough last so, couple miles. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was hard. It was very uphill. The second half of the course was all uphill too. So uh it just took a toll. Uh I find a nice downhill course somewhere, like uh like our friend uh, Mr. McIntyre, and uh I'll I'll probably go under two thirty. That's the thing about Richmond too, is that it also is not notoriously fast. That is not a, a That was not a fast like course. Because it was net it was net like minus six hundred feet on the way there on the way out. And on the way back, it was like net plus a thousand because you had this extra loop. It was just, it was just very hard, man. very hard course. Um, um, well, cool, man. But yeah, I'm, I'm coming the same boat. I don't have anything really planned after Chicago if uh, all goes well in Orlando. But so I'll be seeing you around. We'll be doing some training together. Or, we'll do. Sure. Yeah, I should come down after Orlando and get a get a sim in for um, Chicago. That'd be oh, sweet, yeah, baby. We go, we go big. We go big. Mark did it with me yesterday, and and uh, we both died. Every time we die. <laughs> That's so. how that race works. All right, dude. Well, I'll make sure to link to everything. And this is a sign, signing off. So we'll talk to you soon.